The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Hello and welcome to What Catholics Believe. I am your host, Thomas Nagley. With me tonight is Father William Jenkins. He is a member of the Society of St. Pius V. He's also the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church right here in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you? Very fine, thank goodness. And you, Tom? Doing well, Father. Thanks sure. for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. Yep. Father, in our, uh, in our last program, we, we briefly mentioned this coronavirus that uh, kind of has been taking the world by storm, apparently. And... Uh, just last week, at the time of our recording, um, there there didn't seem to be a whole lot of a whole lot of uh, information, solid information that that we could put our hands on. But uh, in just this past week, since we last recorded, Father, there has been um, just an explosion of, of this virus. Apparently, it's um, it's totally captivating every headline of every every news agency right now. And um, there's a lot to consider with this, Father. Um, one thing in particular, we've had several emails asking your opinion on, on Francis uh, canceling all public masses and all public sacraments um, for his Novus Ordo Church in, in Italy and in, in Rome. And what is your perspective on that, Father? Do you think that that is a, a wise course of action and just in this coronavirus um, pandemic in, in general? Is there a Catholic perspective that we should have on this? Well, the Italian government, notably the, the leader of the Italian government, called for this. And uh, you know, one might have the impression that uh, since the outbreak in the northern Italy uh, began, that Italy is undertaking kind of draconian measures mm -hmm. to try to contain this. And I think the reason uh, that people were very suspicious about what was going on here is because... Uh, it, it broke out in, uh, in China under the communist government there. And uh, they were taking draconian measures, uh, kept it quiet for weeks. And then finally, uh, when it could not be, uh, the news couldn't be contained, they began taking draconian measures. The word was getting out about the draconian measures they were taking. And we think, well, in a communist country, the, the people have no rights. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, in China, especially, uh, you know, they, they might be considered uh, overpopulated by some, uh, by the communist officials and thinking, well, we, we can certainly, you know, uh, stand to lose 100,000 people and, you know, without any scruples. Uh, in fact, Bernie Sanders is, is going around telling everybody that they wiped out, they eliminated extreme poverty in China. as though this is something that we should applaud. Right. Well, you know, again, I, I think we should make the distinction between wiping out the poverty by wiping or wiping out the poor. I right. mean, right. if we say we eliminated extreme poverty in, in uh, China or anywhere by eliminating the extremely poor people, then that's nothing to be applauded. Right. But this is what happens in totalitarian regimes, especially, mm. of course, socialists and totalitarian regimes are socialists because they control the, the economy. 
and the means of production, and they control the, the goods and services people need to live. <clears throat> That's essentially where we get socialist. But in any case, um, we see human life doesn't really count for much in China. So we see these draconian measures they put in place where, you know, whole cities are being locked down, people are being compelled to stay in their apartments, they need permission from the authorities to go out, they have to have a very good reason for even leaving their apartments and so on. So their, their uh, fundamental rights are, are being denied, just, uh, you know, wholesale. And so we think, you know, well, okay, is, is this virus really um, that bad that it would require this kind of thing? The fact that we see this happening in China is, doesn't convince us. Mm -hmm. The fact that we saw it go to Italy and what we saw happening there again didn't really understand the gravity of this virus, that it would be worthy of this, this draconian response of locking down 10 villages, right, putting them under, as it were, armed guard, ring, ringed with, with uh, military or uh, law enforcement personnel to keep people from coming and going. Um, but as time has gone on now, we've seen the, the gravity of this. Of course, when, when the, um, the Italian government called for first the, um, the quarantine of these villages in uh, Lombardy, in Veneto, uh, it seemed rather extreme. Uh, then when they uh, essentially announced the quarantine of the 16 million people living in the north, that seemed draconian, and then it was extended to the entire country. And uh, then churches were told, you know, that uh, not so much told, they were, well, I guess they were told. I guess they were told that they had to, you know, refrain from services. There were limits put on the number of people who could convene. Um, and um, now I understand in Italy all the shops are closed mm -hmm. throughout the country, too. Francis, in the midst of all this, <clears throat> announced that, yes, the, the, the modern churches, the modern Catholic churches uh, uh, throughout Italy, and I think the main concern was in Rome, we're going to actually be closed to public services. Mm -hmm. It's not that the Novus Ordo liturgies would not be continue to be said in these in these churches, but they would not be accessible to people. And the idea is to you know limit the, the gathering of people in certain mm -hmm. places. And there are people who who were applauding that. There were others among the more conservative of the Novus Ordo people who were very upset about that, incensed by it, and uh, speaking very openly and condemning that, that idea. In fact, they applaud the Polish bishops who, who came out and said, well, we don't need fewer, we need more masses. We need right. you know, to have things, we need to implore God for mercy. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and there were those who were applauding them and saying that they have a, a supernatural outlook that Francis doesn't have. <laughs> Now you know what I know what I believe of the, of the Novus sort of the new mass, okay? And I think it is an abomination. I think it offends God, and I think it's one of the reasons why we're being we would be punished. So I can't lament the fact that the Novus Ordo masses are not being uh, said publicly in, yeah. in 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 Rome or anywhere else for that matter. But I think it does say something about Francis's attitude. I mean, in, in the year 590, it was a long time ago, a man who was elected pope uh, at a time of plague in Rome. 
And the first thing he did was organize a procession. He didn't tell people stay home, uh, you know, stay away from each other, don't breathe on each other, or stop breathing altogether. That's the healthiest way to avoid the <laughs> infection. Uh, he said, let's get together, everyone, assemble everyone who can, and implore God's mercy, because they saw this as uh, God's judgment against them for their sins, you know. At least they would need God's mercy to deliver them from this terrible scourge. Um, and so this procession was called, uh, organized. I understand that it was quite massive. And uh, the terminal point of the procession was to be St. Mary Major. And the reason for that was that that would be where all would gather to implore the mercy of God. But in the course of this procession, uh, seeking God's mercy, and uh, it was a, pen a penitential procession in reparation for sin, <clears throat> the, uh, the procession was crossing the, the bridge of the angel, uh, leading to the Castel Sant'Angelo, the old mausoleum of Hadrian. And there on the top of the Castel Sant'Angelo, which is an enormous structure, there appeared this towering figure of St. Michael the Archangel with a, a sword, wielding a sword. <clears throat> but as everyone watched, this figure of St. Michael sheathed the sword, which they all understood was a, a gesture from heaven saying that an announcement that this, God, their prayer had been heard. Huh? God was pleased with their repentance and the plague would end. And it did. And this is exactly what happened. And that's what saved Rome then. And we're wondering, well, if that's what a Catholic Pope would do, why, why is Francis doing what he's doing? And I think the answer is pretty obvious. Um, because there's no supernatural outlook whatsoever. There's no supernatural faith there. It's that we're going to take human measures and go along with the, the human uh, government and, uh, you know, say that they have the ultimate word and they have the ultimate solution. Mm -hmm. And it's not a matter of God... Uh, God's justice or God's mercy. It's not a matter of that. Um, so, but I think, I think Francis is actually making a statement. I think his statement is this, really, that we know, or that I, Francis, know, that these Novus Oral liturgies are worthless in obtaining God's mercy. So, we're not really sacrificing anything by giving them up. And certainly we have much more to accomplish by sequestering everyone, quarantining everybody, keeping people away from each other. And so we have much more to gain by that than we do from whatever prayers might be offered or anything like that. Mm. I think Francis is essentially saying that, that he, he sees <clears throat> the, even the, the liturgies conducted in his own churches in Rome and throughout Italy, throughout the world, as having minimal value. So uh, it's certainly worth shutting them all down or you know, shutting, them up, shutting the people out yeah. for the sake of accommodating the, the civil law. Whereas a Catholic Pope would say, no, no, this is exactly what we need. We need God's mercy. And this is the place to obtain it at the foot of the cross, at the foot of Calvary, the holy sacrifice of the Mass, offering the Mass of our Lord uh, on Calvary, and imploring God with that, joining our prayers with our Lord's own prayer of mercy for us. That's what we need to do. That's what a Catholic would do. Uh, Father, do you think that it's that it's rash or, or unwise uh, to to just automatically assume that this uh, 
this virus now that this is some kind of direct punishment from God, that this is some kind of scourge that he has sent us be because of our sin? Should we? Well, I don't know. There are all kinds of theories about it. Some think it was manufactured. Hmm. I've heard actually um, medical doctors who have investigated the issue and said there's something peculiar about this virus. It doesn't, think, it doesn't look like it's something that occurred naturally. Uh, because it's so different from anything else, that it would suddenly just evolve out of what's already there. There's too much different about it that this would happen overnight, uh, relatively overnight. Uh, but there are other medical personnel who are saying, no, this is too clunky a virus to have been manufactured, because if we're ma the result of a design work, it would have been much different, they say, okay? But the fact is that in the last five weeks or so, I understand that it's mutated three times and has become more deadly. It's, it's it, 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 allegedly this, this is what I'm hearing from medical doctors, uh, that this virus um, is a strange combination of a virus that is uh, very contagious and very lethal. They say what I've been told, and I've heard it from more than one source, that viruses need their host to survive themselves. And so it's, quote-unquote, the virus's best interest, so to speak, not to kill their host, so that the more contagious a virus is, if it is perpetuated from host to host, it is generally associated with being not so deadly you know, that it would kill the host. But uh, this is a strange virus in that it is both highly contagious and highly deadly. And this is peculiar. They say that actually because of the deadliness of it, that will help control the spread of it, if anything else, if nothing else will, because the hosts will die from it. Somebody will die of it. Uh, that that will be kind of a natural break on the virus. That's not good news, though, really. But uh, I just had a doctor tell me tonight that uh, it's, it seems the strange how it has developed because you have suddenly the virus popping up here and suddenly the virus pops up here and suddenly the virus mm -hmm. pops up here. And he said that's an indication the virus has been among us for a while. Really? It's been circulating for a while. It's just that Either it's been asymptomatic, or where there have been symptoms, we haven't diagnosed it for what it is. And so the virus, he says, might well have been circulating for a while, but now it's, I don't know, reached critical mass or whatever, and now all of a sudden it's exploding like that. So um, it's, that, that might be, but, but he's not making an argument for it being uh, artificially manufactured. He's not making an argument for it having just appeared out of, you know, naturally out of nowhere. It just says that there are indications here that there's some uh, history behind this, that it's developed to this point long before we knew, or for however long before we knew what was happening. And it took everybody by surprise. Um, you know, the governor of the state of Ohio just today announced the closing of all the schools in Ohio. And it seemed to come in 15-minute increments, like one announcement after another after another, like as though they were saying, thinking, oh, well, yeah, we better do that too, or we better do that too. That's what it sounded like. It was very peculiar. So it gave the impression to some people, it gave the impression to me that it was sort of like, oh, we better do that too, or we better do that too. 
That's understandable uh, to some extent, but it also uh, shows um, that we're just kind of reacting yeah. to this thing. And uh, first, they were going to close down the public schools in Ohio. Then they added the private schools and the charter schools, but they're not, um, you know, stopping. Then they're putting a limitation of 100 people at most in any gathering. But that doesn't apply to churches, places of worship. Okay. Uh, they're not applying that to businesses. They're, uh, I mean, maybe the 100 person gathering rule, max gathering rule, is going to apply <clears throat> to conferences, business conferences, and so on. To my knowledge, they're not imposing these rules on restaurants uh, yet, okay? But again, we see <clears throat> that it progressed a certain way in Italy, and it may well be progressing the same way here. In fact, somebody said that uh, we're nine days behind Italy. <clears throat> but I fear that they're understating the issue. I fear at the rate we're going, we might be nine days behind China. <clears throat> and when we use China as the pattern or the model for what we need to do, we're in big trouble. <clears throat> Someone said we have more to fear from the government than we do from the virus. But what I'm hearing from the medical doctors I know and trust <clears throat> is that this is a very bad virus. This is very, very dangerous. <clears throat> it does terrible things to the lungs. <clears throat> it really does kill people. Um, and that it is mutating and becoming more deadly. And I just heard tonight, and I don't know, but you know, as a result of the mutation, evidently it's beginning to attack a younger uh, demographic now, hmm. and even perhaps causing other damage than lung damage. So, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're still looking at this thing, trying to figure out what's going on, like it's an alien from outer space, you know, that's come to attack us. It's kind of, and in fact, people have drawn the parallel between H.G. Uh, Wells' The War of the Worlds. <clears throat> but in The War of the Worlds, the microbes saved us from invaders that otherwise were unstoppable, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it was, it was actually kind of ironic because H.G. Wells was no believer in God, mm -hmm. I mean, he, he believed in all kinds of evil things, right? The things that we would uh, condemn, that God would condemn. <clears throat> and he was a real scoffer, you know, at the idea of God. But when they made one of the one of the versions of the movie on the basis of his book, they ended by talking about the wisdom of God in having here on earth these microbes <clears throat> that actually rescued us and saved us at a time when we had no power to save ourselves, that God had, in his wisdom, provided that, that, that solution. But now this microbe is not attacking invaders from outer space. This microbe is attacking us. And there's no doubt why you ask if it's God's punishment. Absolutely, it is. <clears throat> I mean, whether you just trace it back to original sin, which brought evil into the world, I mean, as Satan said, if you commit sin, God knows that you will be as God, knowing good and evil. If they hadn't known evil until then, and that's what brought evil into the world. It's a, it's a fact. So yes, I would have to say the virus certainly is an evil and therefore a result of sin. <coughs> but the fact that the virus is here hitting now under these circumstances, there's no doubt that it is part of the divine punishment. This is how the Catholic Church always saw these things. This is how she always responded by appealing to God for mercy. You know, Tom, we, one thing we, we haven't talked about here in the past, I don't think, 
<clears throat> but there's something there's something behind all this. Now, I'm not saying again that this virus is manufactured to do this, but there's still something behind all of this, and it's behind abortion. It is behind contraception. It is behind homosexuality. It's behind all of these things. And what is the one thing all of those things have in common besides being evils? <coughs> they are anti-life, anti-human life. And we have militant here in the world, in all the countries of the world, a kind of cabal of people who are zero population growth and a negative population growth people. Some of these are very high-profile people. They've been hosted in the Vatican by the Pontifical Academy of Sciences, some of the leading proponents of the zero population growth and negative popu population growth community, whatever you want to call them, this, this cartel, right, <clears throat> to try to <clears throat> cull the herd and reduce the human population. The Georgia Guystones, right, the human population shall not exceed 500 million people. A lot of people have to die to achieve that. Isn't it kind of ironic, too, that we've heard some billionaires talking for years now about the coming pandemic, talking about the coming pandemic as though it were something that was forecast. We see this also in novels that have been written, right? Almost as though the script had already been written out. There's something going on here. The, the zero population growth, and even more so the negative population growth, we have to reduce, not only stop the growth of the, of the human population in the world, we have to reduce it. Very powerful. Very influential in, as, as a, a part of the new world order, an essential part of the new world order. And we've seen this exact same mentality in the revolution, since the French Revolution. We have to, dist we have to kill people. We have to make people go away. People have to disappear. And we have to bring the population down to a manageable size. For one reason, during the French Revolution, so we can have a socialist society. There are too many people, it makes it difficult to manage and provide for. So, in any case, um, I can't help but see that this, you know, whether or not the people who are involved in this, like Ehrlich and the rest of them, very famous. They've been authoring books on the subject for years, <clears throat> the population bomb or something like that, and, and so on. The, the type of people Francis has now been having in the Vatican to discuss the future of the world, right? Um, whether they've paid for this virus, I don't know. I mean, I have nothing to say about that. But the fact is, they have forecast this, and there's no doubt in my mind they will use this as an opportunity to achieve their goals. <clears throat> but you see, that for us is all part of the spiritual question. As far as the actual response that we have to make practically to the fact that this virus is out there and it's on the loose. And the medical community is now saying it's coming. It's like a tidal wave. In some cases, it's a tidal wave that has swamped certain nations. In other cases, it's a tidal wave that's on its way. 
to swamp others. I mean, uh, uh, here the amazing preparations are being made where the virus hasn't even struck yet now. The doctors are making preparations now for what's coming because they see what's happening elsewhere. At the same time, they're trying to say, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic. But, and they're not panicking. <clears throat> but they're uh, very much aware that there are some problems coming for them. I mean, even, even what was done here in Ohio today, and I guess echoed by Bashir, uh, Governor Bashir down in Kentucky, <clears throat> now, poses problems. A doctor was telling me today, you know, I'm, I, this is my field. I need nurses. I need assistants. I need, you know, all these medical personnel. <clears throat> these schools are being closed down. Who's going to take care of their children? Often these people rely on these schools, you know, having their children. And uh, now they have to be concerned what the daycare for my children. A 16-year-old is one thing. A 6-year-old is another, right? A 7, 8, 9, 10-year-old child, I suddenly have that child I have to provide for them. The schools are all closed. What do I do? <clears throat> so are my nurses now going to be able to come in? Are they going to be able to put the hours in that I'm going to need, especially in light of what I'm expecting to happen? <clears throat> and uh, so doctors were telling me that this is affecting them at every level. And I'm sure many of our listeners have gone to stores, grocery stores, pharmacies, looking for the most basic items and finding the shelves empty. I mean, I felt like reading myself out today looking for something so basic. And he came back and said, there's nothing left. Shelves are just empty. Right? We were told hand sanitizer is, is gone. And we needed that. We thought, well, we'll have some at the school for the kids. You know, we want a, a container around each one of the tables, uh, the lunchroom, and, you know, the kids will use that. We're having kids wash their hands, you know, assiduously uh, before lunch and so on during the day. And, um, but we're told that the hand sanitizer is gone. So then, we see online that someone said you can make your own hand sanitizer by getting like aloe vera gel, aloe vera gel, and uh, getting some 91%, at least 91% isopropyl alcohol, mixing them so it's 60% alcohol, 40% the gel, and you can make your own hand sanitizer, at least 60% alcohol. And now you go and you look for the, those items and you can't find them. They're gone too. <laughs> you know? So we're seeing something here that is um, scary because people are, are fearful yeah. and because they are fearful. And no wonder they are because of the, what the media has been telling us on, mm. um, that they're reacting in a certain way. The same, the same media, which is denouncing people for going and buying these things up and hoarding toilet paper and hand sanitizer, the same people are in the media who are denouncing people for doing that are the ones who are whipping up this, uh, this, this, this fear. Mm. So we're, we're facing something here in this country that is very rare, perhaps even unprecedented. I don't know. But uh, in any case, we, we have to react to the practical side of this mm -hmm. in a very prudent way, even as we're reacting spiritually in a very Catholic way. And that is, we have to have the Mass, we have to have the sacraments, we have to implore God's mercy.
Father, one, one thing you touched on is, is these, uh, these measures that, that certain governments have taken to uh, either prevent um, or, or contain the virus. What do you, what do you think about these, uh, some of the, these measures that have been taken? Do you think that there is any danger to, to our rights, um, to, to certain rights? You know, you, you mentioned... Oh, absolutely. The, uh, yeah. to well, I mean, the leftists have actually said for years that they, they can use health care to have, get their to accomplish their purpose. Mm -hmm. And their purpose is, well, as with all totalitarians, uh, their purpose is, is to deny the individual liberties, yeah. uh, God-given rights, because they don't believe in that. Mm -hmm. you know, they may say they do, but they really don't. How do we prepare for that? Uh, I mean, here's Bernie Sanders, okay? He's an about socialist. He's on Fox, he's saying in their town hall that he doesn't believe in authoritarian socialism. He believes in democratic socialism. So he says, this is not like Soviet Union, this is not like China, and that's what, what I'm now, I'm, I'm looking more like Sweden and, you know, other, what he calls socialist countries, which are not really socialist countries, really, they're being touted by socialists as examples of socialism, but they're not really socialists. So anyway, but this is what he's saying. Um, but the fact is, I mean, socialism is, is intrinsically authoritarian. But... I mean, even if we brush aside all of our considerations, any society that is willing to, to, to forfeit individual liberties, to, to give control to the government, which is basically politicians and bureaucrats, to give control to government over the very means of life of the entire population, Every man, woman, and child in a society, the food, the clothing, the shelter, and everything else is controlled by the politicians and the bureaucrats. Any society that is willing to do that is ripe for slavery. And this is an invitation to totalitarianism to do that. And uh, this is the temptation now. But we've been told by the totalitarians among us here, the leftists, who believe in violence to achieve their ends, that they're actually going to succeed by taking control of the healthcare industry, as it were, and everybody will snap too, will get in line, but it comes to a matter of an issue like this. Everybody will have to comply. Imagine, for example, the word goes out, <clears throat> no worship services, absolutely forbidden, strain forbidden, in the, uh, throughout the United States of America. Could it happen? Yeah, it could happen. Right? <clears throat> things get bad enough. People get scared enough. But we say in Immaculate Conception, well, we can't do that. You know, Mass is for the people. Our Lord comes for the people. Mm -hmm. We're not going to turn people away. You know, and uh, yes, they should be here uh, imploring God's mercy. You know, for all of your medical ability and, uh, you know, wizardry and technology, What's going to deliver us ultimately from this is the mercy of God, and that's all we really have to appeal to, and that's where we're going to go. And they say, look at those people. They are gathering there in that church. All the other churches have complied. But in that church, those people are gathering there, and they're putting us all at risk. They are an incubator for this disease. And when they come out of that church, they are carrying that. One person, one person could test positive for this virus 
after the first or second Sunday morning masses. And they'd want to lock everybody down who attended that mass. And anybody who wasn't locked down would be out there, they'd say, a potential carrier of that virus and infecting who knows how many others. And so those traditional Catholics, they are putting everyone at risk. They're the enemies of mankind now. Is this far-fetched? I suppose you could write a novel about it, but I don't know that you'll have to because, it, again, it could happen that way. So, uh, I mean, we have graduates of our own who are now in lockdown. We have one, uh, <clears throat> at least one person, whom I will not name, but um, who was at the CPAC conference recently. One person there tested positive for the virus the next day or two days later. And that's, this graduate is now locked down in her dormitory at college because this other person who was there among the hundreds tested positive for this virus. So this is the kind of thing that, uh, and, and yet despite all these draconian methods, methods, they're not containing it. They're still not containing it. Now maybe the idea is at this point, well we can't contain it, but at least we can maybe slow it down so we don't get instantaneously overwhelmed by it. Maybe that's the thought. But, you know, I think everybody needs to consider... Remember what happened after 9-11? Everybody had pretty pious. You know, you're going to hear everybody saying, God bless America, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and so on. And I would say the same thing, God bless America, but the greatest blessing is the grace of repentance for sin. That's the first grace we need. And that's the grace we need God to bless us with, the humbling grace repentance for our sins. Right? That's truly the prayer, God bless America. Um, but in any case, people kind of need to be led to think that way, that we really do need God's blessing on America. And the contagion is like the leprosy of the, of the, of the, of the gospel. And our Lord and really, only our Lord has the power to cure that. You know, in the Gospels, it was, they just sent everyone off to a leper colony to die. <clears throat> Drove them away from them, right? Keeping social distance, you know. Um, but people knew that they'd come to our Lord. That's, that's where they went. And that's where the church has always gone. And that's where we need to go now. We need to go there in prayer. Especially at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Any final, final words before we close, Father? You make it sound pretty terminal. <laughs> Final words? Um, well, I think um, there's a lot more that could be said about this. Uh, you know, is this a vast right-wing or vast left-wing conspiracy? <laughs> um, again, I say people will use these things. As Rahm Emanuel and Hillary Clinton both said after 9-11, it's important not to waste a good crisis, and there are those who capitalize on crises, yep. to accomplish their nefarious aims, and that is to purge faith from society and to take control. Um, by denying uh, God-given liberties, this is certainly an occasion when we see this happening before our very eyes. Regardless of the origin of this problem, the problem is what it is. It's here, and we have to uh, deal with it very prudently. 
I know what I'm doing with regard to the school. It's something that I've been wanting to do for 10 years now. Never really succeeded. There were efforts made, and, and sincere good efforts made. We never succeeded in getting a good um, distance learning program going. So we're actually, you know, I'd say broadcasting the uh, the classes that are given here. Now you think about that. Now we're talking about 13 grades, including kindergarten, and you're thinking about uh, all the different subjects they cover, all the different teachers who are teaching them. And if we want to make available to people online all of that so they could be at home and, and follow those classes, there would be some doing. It would take some doing. But now because of this and because of Governor, um, we uh, Governor DeWine's order, mm -hmm. I guess we're going to wind up doing what I, accomplishing what I really wanted to do all this time in the first <laughs> place. But my original thought was, you know, if we have a student home for, with an injury or an illness, if that student can go online and just follow the classes and not fall behind. And, and now it looks more urgently, um, to be more urgent for, than ever that we do this. I think it's ironic that uh, you know, in New York, uh, Governor Cuomo and the legislature there <clears throat> imposed vaccinations on every, every child. Uh, so they cannot attend school, any school in the state of New York unless they have their vaccinations up to date and on record because the state will inspect and look for any child who does not have that vaccination, who is present at school, and the school will be fined an enormous amount of money for every single child and every day the child is there at school. Talk about communist China, yeah. right? <clears throat> and, uh, and where did the biggest problem with this infection first appear? Above all, it wasn't really in California, it was in New York. That's where it first got out of control. In New York, and and I can't help but think that there's a connection, that this is sort of a statement, like this is what you've done, uh, driving you know people out of the schools by your order for vaccination, and and now you know I'll show you how ineffective that was yeah. when it comes to divine judgment. This is the same person who said, I don't want any pro-lifers in my state, his state. Okay, congratulations, Emperor, you know, <laughs> comrade. Como, comrade Cuomo. But anyway, <clears throat> this, is, this is the kind of mentality we're dealing with. And this is why I think people are often mistrustful about what these decisions that are coming down the line. But uh, at this point, I really do think people have to listen to the medical personnel, including the, the medical personnel they know are not leftists and politically driven hacks but are really medical people who are concerned with the well-being of the, of the people. And they need really good medical information to realize what we're dealing with and how we need to deal with it. The good news, it's a virus, what I've been told. Hand washing, if people just wash their hands, that would be a major, major benefit to controlling this virus. It's not a bacterium. It doesn't have an outer shell, as it were, or a membrane uh, protecting it. It's a virus. And so I asked a doctor today, I said, well, do we need these, uh, you know, some, some kind of special chemical to kill the virus? He says, no, it's easier to, much easier to kill a bacterium. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Simple hand washing will we'll take care of it. 
I think he used the expression hydrolyze, whatever hydrolyzes, you know, will destroy the bacteria. <clears throat> but the problem is it multiplies so fast that we have to stay on top of it. And, uh, and it's precisely this that we're seeing. Um, he did say, there's one doctor I was talking to, said, you know, keep your distance from other people. There is an actually good, good reason for that, he said. And for them saying, keep your distance from other people, keep your hands clean. Uh, we were talking about the need to keep the vitamin C levels up in the system because, again, vitamin C is pretty much generally understood to help the immune system and to defend it against attacks such as from such microbes. I don't know if that they've actually come to a definite conclusion about that in this microbe. But still, I mean, this is what I'm hearing from the medical people whom I trust. So, uh, in any case, uh, I would say, you know, the politicians, yes, I mean, we hear what they say. But, uh, you know, when the doctors are telling you the preparations they're making because they're taking this very seriously, then I think we need to hear what they have to say and take that very seriously, too. Okay. One final word, if you ask it yes. again, about President Trump. He spoke last night, yes. and he was very subdued, mm -hmm. almost solemn. Half of what he said in 11 minutes had to do with trying to keep small businesses alive with uh, low-interest loans from the government and other support. So the economy doesn't grind to a halt, because if it does, again, we all suffer from that. And the medical care, too, is going to suffer from that. So it's in all of our best interest that we try to keep our economy going because we need these supplies and we need these services. Um, uh, we can't go back to the Stone Age, okay? Um, <clears throat> but the first part of his talk, you know, generally was sending the message, don't panic, you know, just keep calm. And um, I understand that we, he did something that he rarely does, that he was reading from a prepared text and he was following a teleprompter. Now, for, so President Trump came across very differently last night than he usually does, just to be tied to a text that was prepared probably by, against somebody else, not written by himself. And to use a teleprompter, he was obviously trying to be very, very controlled about what he said and how he said it. So to say, one reason he seemed to be so um, tentative or, uh, what should I say, timid about what he was saying, was because he wasn't used to the teleprompter. But I think it might have been also because of the message. Because whatever information that I've been getting in the last 48 hours from the medical people I know, I'm sure he's already aware of. Right? Mm -hmm. So, um, anyway, um, we can be told over and over again, don't panic. But really, the message is, you know, the only ones who are going to be in, immune, as it were, from panic are those who have faith. And the only power that can keep us from such fears is faith. And so that's ultimately where we have to go. We have to go to our faith. Right? And uh, there's our hope. Right? There's our love. It's all there. And uh, that means we have to uh, not just wash our hands, we have to wash our souls. We have to get it. If we're not in the state of grace, we have to get in the state of grace. Okay? Receive absolution, truly, from a true confession with true contrition. Beg God's mercy, start there. 
and then uh, and then get to the altar and and do what the Catholic Church has always done: implore heaven for mercy. And we see the wonders that God has wrought, and we know He is still God, and He still has that power. And uh, we just pray that. Uh, we are not too unworthy of his mercy. <laughs> we can ask for that. Go to our Blessed Mother. Pray the rosary. Pray the rosary like we've never prayed before. I mean, that's a key. That's, that's a weapon our Lord, our Blessed Mother herself gave. So praying the rosary, uh, attending the Mass, receiving our Lord in Holy Communion lovingly. I mean, these are the real spiritual weapons we need to mm -hmm. fight this battle. Yeah. Father, thanks for being here tonight. Appreciate your your time your uh, guidance on this yep. issue i know we'll definitely keep an eye on it and uh we'll have any any updates that uh, may come about we'll uh we'll, we'll have another another segment on this i'm sure so mm -hmm. thank you for being here tonight appreciate oh, your time certainly Tom. thank yeah. you and uh we wish all of our viewers good health yes <laughs> god's protection yeah. and uh if you don't have a rosary let us know we'll send you one blessed yeah. okay uh, as long as you'll use it and pray it every day Thanks to all of our viewers for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady at Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, to pray and do penance. Thank you, and God bless you.